Well, we're entering into a whole new world, aren't we? I'm back in the church and it's open every day for private prayer and we're looking at uh, how we can gather in various ways also in the future. Please do check the website. And we're entering a whole new world of the future. It reminds me of, of a film I went to see many years ago with a lovely lady I liked at the time. Uh, the film was Aladdin and there's this song in there called uh, A Whole New World and it starts as Aladdin climbs on a magic carpet. Do you trust me? And the response is yes. And that's what we've been looking at over the past couple of months in the whole image and language of hope. Do we trust God? Yes. And then the song goes on, I can open your eyes, take you wonder by wonder, a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. Uh, I'm almost singing it. They say we're only dreaming. A fantastic place I never knew. Now I'm a whole new world with you. It's, it's almost deeply theological. And then it goes on, every turn of surprise, new horizons. And that's what we're trying to do. We're saying hope is a new horizon. Hope in Jesus Christ is both a theory and practice. It's doctrine and ideas and it's practical in our lives. And that's why it's our last week on hope. And we're looking at freedom to hope before we look at a new theme. It's like soaring on a magic carpet and going into the future. And Paul takes us there by saying in chapter 5, verse 1 of Galatians, the purpose of Christ is to bring freedom. And he starts with this in verse 1 and then rounds it out in uh, verse 11 by explaining this is through the Christian cross. Now, the problem is that freedom can be a concept or or a single event. And I'm old enough to remember enough events in in the globe where freedom seemed to be beckoning. Uh, And then somehow it it faded like an old film and and became not quite what people hoped for. The ideals faded. A bit like an Aladdin film. I I remember going to the film with this young lady, but I don't remember the detail. Well, I'm I'm in the church in this uh, great art exhibition that we've created here. And and Chad has this amazing painting that's about the last days today. But right at the back is the cross which leads us towards those last days. And Paul is saying we can't live in moments of freedom in these last days. We live in a state of freedom in these last days because of that cross. It's really powerful to think of it, that we are heading towards the future, and that's Chad's painting at the end, which is about uh, heaven. But we are in today as well as the future simultaneously. And Paul addresses this in verse 8. He says, freedom isn't something God imposes on you now or the future. Freedom is an invitation. The cross is offered to you. And Paul says, I'm trusting you to to work that out, that freedom out. But here's some tips to help you. Because I'm hearing that as a young church, as new Christians, uh, you're struggling in a couple of areas. And so the question Paul addresses is, As Christians, what do you do with this freedom? How do you ensure you're living uh, in it? And the the answer is surprising. You'd think they'd be saying, yeah, great, we've got this freedom. Actually, what Paul notes is that they're not exercising that freedom. They're letting stuff get in the way of freedom. Uh, Two areas of stuff gets in the way of freedom. And I'm sure there is stuff getting in our way right now as we're looking uh, at the future. When I took that young person, that lady, to, to the cinema, uh, who, who is now my wife, 
Of course, there was a simplicity to our relationship at the beginning. As the song says, it's a fantastic place I never knew. Now I'm a whole new world with you. You Everything was like unbelievable signs, as the song says. Uh, But of course, what happens in any relationship, in in any uh, organisation, in any business, is you get layers over time. You get people uh, bringing the past into the present. You you get things building up. And in July, there's a danger that we'll simply pick up the complexities of where we left off. And we'll forget all our best intentions for something to be different. There's a a rapper who said something uh, called Meek Mill, who said, if you don't know where you make your mistakes, that's your worst mistake, not knowing where your mistakes are. So if you've been considering things for a while, don't forget those considerings. And he says that as he talks about overcoming poverty, street violence, racism, uh, and prejudice. And Paul says, well, there are two key areas of stuff that I want to talk to you about. Illustrated with the uh, image of yeast. Now, yeast in scripture is usually uh, associated with evil. It's when stuff gets in the way of our relationship with God. And he's saying this stuff matters. The first one, the first yeast, is insecure foundations. uh, Altering the core of who you are in Christ. Altering the core of your faith. Forgetting about that cross. Forgetting about the future focus of heaven. Forgetting that we are living in the last days. And the second uh, yeast, the stuff, is being burdened by the past. Rules-based living. Uh, living with the past into the present where it's negative, rather than grace-based living. And, and he offers two precious remedies to this. He says, step into standing firm on the core of your faith. Step into knowing what it is you believe. And step away from the power of past burdens, uh, specifically the, the rules of, uh, of several hundred uh, Old Testament commands, because they've been fulfilled and brought together in Jesus Christ. And he says this freedom then brings us into a responsibility. You see, we are future-focused people. Uh, we, we're living our faith today. Two weeks ago, Simon Willits talked about that really uh, quite well, about bookends. And it is so tempting to take those bookends away and go back to old normal. But Paul reminds the Christians that to accept false past burdens means taking on at least 613 commandments. Well, you can't do it. If If you take on all those burdens, it will weigh you down. It will entangle you, create a yoke, as he says. And it is impossible to fully relate to God through that. So we have to do that through Christ. That is the unique Christian claim, as we know. And that's why the cross is absurd to those who are perishing, we're told. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. And so although we are living in this new age, the default may be to go back. And someone asked me a great question the other day. They said, ask yourself this question. Why do you want to go back? It's a great question to ask ourselves. Why do you want to go back? Because want implies a choice. And the answer is often that the past is a familiar country which we are already entangled with. And yet, what Aladdin does on that carpet is uh, they go up and they take uh, a glimpse of a whole new world of nations and continents of people together. A world that they didn't know. They get a glimpse of something else. 
not necessarily what it was like. But it can also be because that familiar country of the past has a negative hold on us. The law had become a millstone and Jesus then brought freedom from the past through the law. Uh, And there's a lovely book called Sidewalk Flowers. And in the first volume, the author tells the story of, of of a woman who had been subjected to a past lifetime of criticism. You can put your own thing in there instead of criticism in your own life. And it reminded me of people I have met where criticism to quote somebody is like a corrosion. It it, it eats away. These things eat away at us from the past. And I, I have seen it become part of familiar countries of people's past, familiar territory. And then what happens is people see it everywhere around them. They become shaped by it. They become defensive against it. Now, we all have a past that portrays itself as real. But Paul is saying, don't be burdened by what was. Be freed by what is the cross. In Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the past has no power. It, It can be a lingering memory, of course. It can rise again, yes. But you do not... Those need those defensive walls any longer. Uh, think of Luke 3, uh, and Jesus meets a man who has been enslaved by his past. What does Jesus do? He breaks the bondage. He removes the yeast. The yoke and the entanglement are gone. And he proclaims you are free of the burden. You are freed of that burden. And then secondly, Paul talks about stepping to standing firm. Standing firm in knowing who we are, knowing our faith, knowing that, that cross up there. There's been a lot of soul searching going on in recent weeks, I'm sure. Uh, I, I referenced my friend Esther Pryor in my piece on George Floyd. Uh, you can see that on our website and I would urge you to read it. And, and she mentions that one of the reasons she thinks so much has been going on is that the world has stopped. And Paul reminds the uh, Galatians, he reminds us in verse 7, that there is a truth. And there is a race to run, there is a way to live. Don't let other things crowd it out, stand firm. It's about being eager yet patient, living right with God and with faith expressed through love. What, What does that look like? Well, for me personally, I have been reminded in the past few weeks that In 2013, a whole bunch of people here uh, and in Godalming Baptist Church were awakened literally on the same night at night uh, with uh, some thoughts about doing things together. It's got crowded out. Maybe the movement of the Holy Spirit is saying, look again. Uh, And I'm conscious of somebody that I met recently, uh, someone who's in education, and they said, I'm really, really scared to go back into that education place. And uh, we were talking about it, and I said, well, why, why, why is that? And, and they said, I'm afraid of the parents. I'm afraid of the parents' uh, expectations on me, and they will say I've been a failure. And I thought, well, hold on, as a Christian, what's the question here? And the question is, have you done your best? How, can you stand firm on saying, I have done my best? with integrity? And the answer was yes. 
Uh, and I explain to them that, in which case, the opinions of others is their own opinions. You don't need to own them and take them as a burden. I wonder where we are called to stand firm this time. Years ago, uh, I used to go to a place called Sheringham, and we would have a tide fight. Uh, We had something called a CSSM beach mission, and it was the greatest moment of the week. And we'd all turn up buckets and spades, and adults, mainly dads, would turn up with enormous uh, garden spades. And you, you created a sandcastle sand to stand on, and you stood on it uh, to see who could be the one that stood firm for the longest against the tide. And of course we did it, because there was a prize. Uh, and Paul is saying there was a great prize here. Stand firm. The prize is your faith. The prize is your future. And the prize is also now, hence Chad's painting about today, It's about your responsibility in this freedom, because freedom brings with it responsibility. And this is what Paul is unpacking in chapter 6. It's the responsibility to ourselves, uh, the responsibility to others, and the responsibility to God. Uh, The responsibility to ourselves is to live well, to do our best, like I was talking to that educator about. To do the best we can and not accept the criticism of others. Uh, Paul says in verse 10, there are other people trying to throw you off. Well, there is a penalty, he says, for them. And, and God will not be mocked. But also in verse 7, he said, it is your responsibility to run the race, to run the race well. Uh, we, we have our part to play in how we live our lives well as we go back into the world. In verse 7, he says, what happened to you? Now, when he says, what happened to you, and asks about these people, he's not asking for their names, addresses, and email addresses so he can go around and have a chat to them. It's a rhetorical question. He's saying, well, where's your responsibility in this? Don't you recognise what's going on? It's about climbing onto that magic carpet, as it were, and just getting a bigger overview, rather than always looking at the minutiae of the detail. He's asking, what am I meant to be part of here? What is my uh, responsibility in this? And then secondly, we're responsible to others in verse 13 to 15. We're responsible to others as well. Our freedom doesn't mean that we can exercise freedom uh, without responsibility. Years and years ago, I was involved in a group of people and and, and one of them had uh, a real issue with alcohol. And it became really important to a whole group of us that we changed our own habits for the good of that person. Because we didn't want to other them. We didn't want to say, well, you are different. You are out. We wanted to say, there's no othering here. There's including. So we stopped drinking alcohol for two years. We stopped going to the pub. I'd like to say for two years, but didn't quite manage that one. And it was because we were including we, we are responsible for the eradicating of othering and the including. That's what faith expressed through love is about. It's about bringing people in and seeing them as part of who we are. Responsible to ourselves and responsible uh, to other people because of our freedom. And then thirdly, it's about responsibility to God to do faith well. The passage is about unity in the cross, making the main thing the main thing. Verse 5, the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, faith expressed through love, uh, leading Paul into persecution. So it's pretty hard stuff. And then verse 11, the cross. 
that these are the main things. And yet we can make many other things the main thing. And, and, and Paul is saying we are responsible for keeping on track with what it means to be close to God. And we'll have many things that we desire, many interests. But ultimately, we are a church on a mission for God. We are a mission community to love God, make disciples, transform communities. To love God, make disciples, transform communities. It's just that that's now going to be in a different way. And so, in conclusion, Christ has brought our freedom. And it's about standing firm on that which really matters, being released from burdens of the past and knowing you are released. And then asking how we are going to live this every day of our lives as we go forward into that whole new world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Lord who knows the secrets of our very hearts. You know the depths of who we are. And so do not shut your merciful ears to our pleas and our prayers. But spare us, O Lord, O most holy God. You are the most mighty and holy one. Bring us into the fruits of your future. Guide us into serving in love, faith and hope. And lead us now into a new country where we know where we stand and where we face. For your freedom beckons and your beauty calls. In Jesus' name, amen.